Gardening on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Mark Tuchek, welcome back. Michelle in Kawarama says uh, she's got black bits on her nashi pear uh, over the past few days. It doesn't rub off. It's been pretty hot. Uh, plenty of water around the base, uh, not on the other various fruit trees close by. And she sent us a photo of this. As bits that don't rub off. Yeah, because that's a little bit unusual because um, when you start to get scale and things like that and you get black sooty mould, that mm. does rub off, to tell you the truth. So it looks really different from black sooty mould. I would probably just say, yeah, it's actually like a bit of sunburn or something like that. Mm. And that'll probably do continue to deteriorate, probably can't offer any suggestions after getting sunburnt, unfortunately. Mm. You try and prevent it before they get sunburnt, but not after. So. All right, indeed. Um, Duncan in Hamilton Hill, he'd like some advice. And his oranges, they've got a small but established orange tree which doesn't fruit much. Uh, they water it daily throughout the summer, give it some citrus booster. Uh, but the few oranges they do get are just pithy and small. Mm. Doesn't say established orange tree doesn't say whether it's in a pot or in the ground. Mm. So, Maybe you can send us some more info, Duncan, on that. So watering daily in a pot, that's okay. <laughs> in the ground, I'd say you really want to water deeply and not every day in the ground. So, um, But, yeah, small pithy fruit is dependent on water. A wetting agent is very beneficial, mm. whether it's in a pot or the ground this time of the, the year. And to water it extra when it's windy too. A lot of people don't realise how much the wind actually takes the water out of the soil. So. Yeah, certainly does. Uh, Jared from Applecross needs, needs a hand with his uh, frangipani. It's two metres tall in his backyard. He noticed last night that several of the main branches were spongy and soft. Uh, what can he do? Okay, spongy and soft could be over water because mm-hmm. uh, frangipani is actually very drought tolerant. So if they're getting too much water, especially near the base, they, their stems can go spongy. And uh, so... If anything, I would actually make sure it's not uh, the, the if there's any mulch or soil around the stem, it's not constantly damp because that'll actually uh, affect frangipanis. So opposite end of the scale, even a bit of lack of water is actually fine for frangipanis. So many people give away frangipanis in my neighbourhood, Mark, and they, they give away the, the cuttings and all that sort of stuff. When you get a really big cutting yeah. and you whack it into the ground, and, and tie it down and make sure it doesn't blow over or whatever. How long do they take to establish themselves to well, the point where they're not going to you know, be blown over? Yeah, well, the, the main uh, thing there that you want to do is you want to keep the plant really rigid. So when you do take a big cutting like that, you want to support it so it doesn't move in the wind. Mm. So if it's nice and firm in the ground, it'll establish roots a lot quicker. Otherwise, it'll just, uh, every time it moves, those roots be damaged. Um, usually when it's warm like this, you know, within a few months, they're starting to put out roots again. Mm. But uh, because they're big and top heavy, they've got to develop a root system in proportion to the branches on top. So that'll take quite a few months. Yeah, for sure. All right, Kim in Denmark's been on the text line as well. Um, Kim has a flowering plum and the leaves are turning transparent. Haven't had this issue before. And uh, Kim has shown us a photo, sent us a photo of this. Here it is. Okay, so there is, <clears throat> that's probably an indication of either she's got very small snails or some kind of little uh, skeletonizing caterpillar. 
Because mm, of what it looks like, there's little, there's, it looks like there's, there's holes in the leaf by the looks, doesn't it? Yeah, there's holes similar. in the leaves, but they start off quite thin and they're papery. So uh, when you get that, even small snails, uh, when they're very tiny, they just graze the surface. They don't actually chew through it. Uh, or you get small caterpillars that'll just graze on the surface without chewing all the way through. And because they've grazed the surface, it deteriorates and then the holes develop. So unfortunately, I think the damage has been and gone, so there's really nothing to do now. Um, they'll just fall off and uh, probably just have to live with it. Mm. Yeah. Mark, this time of year, in the heat, yeah. should people be rushing out there with their hose just to damp the garden down a bit? Uh, whatever you should... Um, do don't rush out on the lawn with your hose, all right? right? Because hand watering your lawn is a complete waste of time, and people don't water effectively with a hose on their lawn. So if you're out there and you've got a habit of doing that, and after work you have a wine or a beer or something mm-hmm. like that, and you like to do that, don't do that because effectively what you're doing is you're just sprinkling the top of the lawn, and you're not watering deeply. And because you're just sprinkling the top of the, the lawn surface, what happens is the, the lawn roots that are being stressed, they actually grow closer to the surface mm. where the moisture is. And then as soon as you get a hot day, you get big brown patches in your lawn. So yeah. anybody out there with a hose, don't water your lawn by hand. Sure enough, you get some patches where you can deeply water them. But if you want to do your whole lawn, get an effective sprinkler. Sprinklers, yeah, absolutely. Mark, you've got a bucket of flowers you've brought in with you, which survived the hailstorm on the way down the hill. It did, but unfortunately it got very dark very quickly and I bought in uh, a little selection of uh, water lilies, which are actually Hmm. the thing to be growing at the moment uh, because they love this heat, they love the sun and they love a bit of water, obviously. So these are um, started to close up, unfortunately, in the van and because it got just very black uh, when I was starting to pick them. But uh, I thought I'd bring in a selection and show you the, the, the variation that you get in water leaves at the moment. They're just fantastic things. This one, this purple one here. They're beautiful colours. That's a, that's a tropical water lily. And the tropical water lilies, they, they stand the, up above the foliage. Mm. So the flowers are quite high above the water level. Uh, whereas the hardy water lilies, and this one's a little miniature pink, called Shady Lady. That's a little very delicate mm-hmm. colour. And I've known a few Shady Ladies in my life. There we go. And that one, that tends to sit on just the top of the water. And so you can have a water lily in like a miniature one like this, just in a little bowl, mm. you know, probably about 40 centimetres wide. They only have to be about 30 centimetres deep, uh, the water level, to have a water lily. But uh, most of them benefit from 30 centimetres to about a metre deep in water. Right. Full sun for them. And they'll just reward you all summer with these beautifully, um, you know, symmetrical flowers. And unfortunately, the, the double white closed up. Uh, there it is there. That's called mm. Snowball. And that's got a double range of petals, very full. And it just looks like a little uh, perfect flower sitting on the water. Mm. So ideally, you'd have a pond or something for these. Yeah, you can have a pond or, like I said, even just a large pot suitable mm. for it. And having water in the garden is very beneficial this time of the year, not only for yourself, uh, to, it's quite relaxing to have water in the garden, but also for the, the fauna, the birds that come in, the insects that uh, you get a lot of predatory insects that uh, tend to hang around with a, a water source and they'll control all the other pests in your garden. So I'd like to hear. Bill 
is uh, with us. And Bill, you've got Amanda Intree. Yeah, g'day. G'day, Bill. Um, how are you going? Um, look, I've got Amanda Intree. It's about three years old. Um, and it, it fruits, it flowers and fruits, but it uh, the fruit go orange and then drop off. Um, yeah, just wondering what I might be able to do to it. And that's in the ground or in a pot? Uh, in the ground. In the ground. Um, well, uh, citrus, most citrus, and including mandarins, they'll produce more flowers and small fruit than they can physically p- turn into large fruit. So you will get some fruit drop off it, but if you get all of them drop off, it indicates some kind of stress during the, the fruit development stage. So is it in a windy area? What's the soil like? Uh, it's, it's, it's on a sort of a clay base. We did, we did sort of rip it out and, you know, put an excavator through it to, and then put a few dead sheep in there and, and a bit of, you know, stuff to uh, bolster it. Um, it's very leafy and very green. Yep. But it, 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 it looks like it's even to the other fruit trees, it's, um, you know, starting to grow a new leaf and it looks very, um, luscious in its rich growth. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it did the same thing last year, dropped its fruit, and then it's doing the same thing now. Yeah, well, it could be a slight imbalance in the fertiliser too if it's putting more nutrients and energy into producing leaves at the expense of fruit. So what do you fertilise it with? Do you do uh, additional fertiliser? No, not really. No, it you're just relying on the sheep. Crutchings. Yeah. Okay. Just relying on the sheep. Yeah, so there's probably a bit of an imbalance there. You'd really want to get some kind of a higher potassium level, which is the main nutrient required at fruit and flower development stage. So look for a fertiliser that's a bit higher in potassium rather than nitrogen, which is probably in your sheep there. Yep. And uh, it's, yeah, just keep it regularly watered because, and the main thing is when it's starting to develop fruit, regular watering there too. That's the critical stage. Yep. Got it. All right. Good we'll on you, Bill. Uh, Faye in Margaret Rivers on the text line, Mark, says, uh, wondering what you could recommend for some raised planter beds about 750 millimetres high, 350 wide to grow, about a two metre high for a tropical look. Right. So the plants are two metres high? I think. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm not. I can't read. I've got to get glasses on, Mark. Okay. Well, the raised beds are 750 millimetres high. Mm. And to grow two metres high. West facing, get smashed in the sun and wind in Margaret River. Okay, that's a tricky spot because generally for tropical type plants, they prefer it the other way around where they get a bit of shade in the afternoon Mm. rather than afternoon sun. So because anything tropical, we usually like um, large leaf plants and they're the ones that get burnt easily with the Mm. afternoon sun. So there is, um, there's a few uh, gingers, which are not too bad. There's a, a plant called redback ginger, which is also edible. It's part of the Tuckers mm, range. Mm, mm. And that's really nice because it's got green leaves on the top surface and a dark red underneath. And as long as there's, they're regularly watered, it should tolerate the, you know, the sun a little bit more uh, than other plants. Tropical plants, yeah, usually <clears throat> there's even a few dwarf hibiscus out there now. So there's a good range of miniature hibiscus. Only grow to uh, two metres, a metre and a half, just small bushes. Mm. And, and they're very tropical. They're tropical. They, they look good. And you can even get um, 
miniature frangipanis as well. Yeah, don't right. grow very big too. So okay. they're all out and about in the garden centres at the moment. So There you go, Faye. Hope that helps you out. Jack is with us. And Jack, you've got a mango tree and a resident rat. I do. I've got a mango tree that's just started fruiting for the first time since we um, replaced the soil. Got about six mangoes on there. And I'm very concerned that my resident rat, who I see running along the back fence, is going to get his claws and fangs into the fruit. So I'm just wondering, I don't think the bird net's going to be enough. So is there any suggestion that you have? Yes, Jack versus the rat. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, you're right. The the rat's going to win because uh, as soon as it starts to ripen, uh, they'll just locate it and and chew it. And bird netting, like you said, uh, those exclusion nets that you put around, they'll chew through those as well. Um, so I would try and get the rat before he gets to your fruit. Uh, different traps out there are available at your local garden centre. But, uh, yeah, the, unfortunately there's no real exclusion unless you go for wire or something like that, very small wire, that, uh, mm. yeah, if you've got a rat, he's going to get into everything, unfortunately. So, okay, good to know. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, not much help, unfortunately. <laughs> good on Jack. Thanks so much for calling in. Sarah in Kalamunda. Uh, says, hello, Eminem. That'd be us, yes. Michael and Mark. My scarlet runners are heavy with flour and very healthy, but nary a bean. What do I do to encourage production? Get seaweed and liquid feed weekly. Okay. So, um, yeah, a lot of the scarlet runner beans, they uh, do require pollinators and they do require uh, flour set at different temperatures too. So, really, yeah, probably making sure you've got uh, an abundant range of um, pollinating attracting plants in the garden too. So uh, that's easier said than done. Uh, Well, not really, because there's actually a very good range of pollinating plants that you can get um, to put around your veggie patch and things like that, which will attract different pollinators in. Um, Does she need to do anything to encourage production? Not really. She doesn't have to be out there in midnight or when there's a full moon doing anything weird. Seaweed and liquid fertilisers weekly, that's fine. That's all good. And But I would just say um, let nature do its job and uh, attract a few more. There's quite a few native plants around. You can plant around the perimeter. Um, there's a plant called Plectranthus bush basil, which uh, attracts other pollinating insects and that'll actually help around the garden too so you can do things like that. We were talking before Mark about planter beds what's the benefit of getting your plants up into those things? Well really because they planter beds are really used because a lot of our sandy soils well if you're on the Perth flats anyway are very poor mm. and so you can build up the soil that way um, it's good to have a higher access if you're getting old like myself and you don't want to bend over so much uh, getting down not so far down is a good way to go with raised planters. Um, but it's just a good way to condition the soil in one area, otherwise it's just lost in the ground. Mm. I've heard stories about the way people uh, fix up their soil by getting uh, earthworms and you know, and, and can actually change the, the texture and everything of their soil. Well, they can. Well, you don't need to get earthworms in because if you build it, they will come. Right. So if you get the right materials... And it's like carbon, straw, manure, that kind of thing. It's amazing. Earthworms will just rock up and then start to do good work. And you can do that in a localised area a lot better uh, if it's raised. But not all plants are are suited to raised garden beds as well. So you've got to um, pick the plants that you want to succeed. 
lot of exotic plants, actually, vegetables, things like that, do better in raised beds like that. Mark Tuchek, we're talking gardening, and we've had a few people jumping onto the text line with some solutions for the rat problem. Yes. But... So, uh, Sandra's uh, messaged in that uh, Vicks Vapor Rub, or, uh, because if you coat it, um, the stem or the, the fence where the, the rat's running, mm. that'll help discourage rats. Yeah, okay. So Sabrina's obviously done that at some point and it works. Um, but, yeah, you can discourage them. They'll go elsewhere and eat something else. So yeah. uh, uh, if you've got a good way to... A couple of people have said get a cat. Yes, there we go, get a cat. Yeah, yeah, get a uh, cat. Uh, Alison in Dianella says, uh, my neighbour put sleeves made out of plastic on the trunks of her mango trees and the rats couldn't... Uh, hang on to the bark to climb the trees. It looks a bit funny, but it works. Yeah, they're going to have to be pretty tall and uh, because, you know, rats are crafty. But, uh, yeah, that's a good, good option too. Yeah, and uh, what about this one? Soap flakes in a circle around the base will deter, but not sure about the effect on the mangoes, says Hal in East Perth. Mm, jury's out on that one. Okay. Have you tried it? Um, I think if the, the soap flakes are in the shape of a rat too, that helps. Right. Okay. Good. Uh, Christina is on the text line. She says, good afternoon. I live in Collie and one of my crepe myrtles has powdery mildew. I read about a hack to sprinkle bicarb around the root system and water it in. Is this correct? Uh, Christina fertilizes with sheep manure, which they love. Okay. So yes, um, crepe myrtles are susceptible to powdery mildew and, uh, this um, hot, humid weather that we've been having isn't helping the situation. So mm. uh, bicarb around the roots, actually, it's better over the foliage. So uh, you can get different soap sprays to spray over the foliage and uh, bicarb you can actually spray. Don't do it on a very hot day like this, obviously. But, um, yeah, soap sprays can deter powdery mildew. Uh, watering... In the morning and not in the evening, obviously. And obviously if there's no uh, overhead watering as well to contribute to the humid conditions. So Ingrid says uh, they've got a climbing rose on a wobbly trellis which needs to be replaced. When is a good time to do this as the rose will need cutting back? Okay, so you can actually transplant roses now if you actually really need to. Um, best time, of course, is in winter when they're going dormant. But if you really had to and you couldn't wait, uh, if you gave it a, a fairly hard pruning back and try and take as much of the root ball as you physically can, make sure the root ball is damp before and after transplanting because that'll be critical to its uh, success. But uh, if the option wasn't there, you can actually do it now. Roses are pretty tough. Mm. They'll, they'll take a beating and then... Uh, just a good uh, lot of organic matter in the new planting hole and some uh, liquid seaweed and you're off to the races again. Yep. Mm. Uh, Joy in Victon asked this question on the text line. Uh, she's got a pencil pine which is starting to get a little bit bulky and she wants to, uh, to shape it a bit. Uh, can she just cut it back or is there a way to, to cut it back without turning it into sticks? Yeah, so pencil pines, um, you can actually trim them but you really want to trim them a little bit often rather than a lot of all at once. And, of course, with pencil pines too, if you, because they're tall, skinny things, if you take out the top, that'll ruin their shape as well. Mm. So they'll never look any good if you take that top leader out. So really, I'd, I'd try and avoid pruning pencil pines unless you want to turn them into a spiral or a, a ball on a stick. 
uh, because you know they'll they'll go backwards long term. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, on the uh, talkback line is Lachlan, and Lachlan's got a, a related question here about a hedge. Hi, Lachlan. Yeah, hi. I've got a, a hedge along the front fence of the house and I want to cut it back, like um, reduce it in size. It's about 50, 60 centimetres tall. And I want to reduce it in size by about 10 or 15 centimetres. So it's, it's not going to like it. But um, is there any point waiting until the end of summer to do it or can it be done now? Uh, do you know what kind of hedge you've got, Lachlan? Do you know what the... It's called a tiny a tiny trev, sorry. Yeah, tiny trev hedge. Tiny trev? Whatever kind of hedge that is, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's a syzygium, which is a lily pilly hedge. Yeah. And yeah. they're designed to be little low-growing hedges. So the idea is that, again, you, you trim them a little bit more often rather than try and hack them back all at once. Sure. Uh, because you're going to cut them quite hard, you're going to expose the inside of the bush. Um, <laughs> it, it'll probably recover a bit. You, you might get a bit of uh, sunburnt or, or, or things like that with the sun penetrating the inside of the bush. But... Uh, it should recover as long as you, again, try and keep it damp. Uh, use a, What's the best season to do it in, I suppose, if that's the case? Autumn uh, or spring? Or... So you, you want to prune it hard, do you? Or, or well, do you just want to prune it a little it's, bit? It's, it's got out of hand a bit, so I'm trying to make it smaller. So, yeah, I do want to prune it hard, yes. Well, they grow actively this time of the year. So um, if you do trim it, they will send out some new shoots. Um, sure. And I would probably, again, use... Uh, some wetting agent along the, the hedge line and keep it damp. So the, the, the more you reduce the stress and that you're causing by trimming it quite hard, um, then, you know, you, you'd probably be off doing that. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll wait for the weather to be a little bit cooler anyway because it's too hot for me. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, good luck. It'll, it should no be coming. No thanks. It'll be fine. Yeah, cheers. So Mary and Joondalup wondering why our fig tree only produced a few dry fruits a few months ago. So many people are selling on Marketplace. What is their secret? Selling figs on Marketplace? Uh, I don't know. They uh, must be getting a lot of figs if they can get rid of them on Marketplace. Oh, I see. So they're selling lots of figs and, they, and, uh, and poor Mary's got none. So, yeah, again, water at fruit development is the, the critical thing. So plants... As they develop the fruit, it takes a lot of energy and nutrients and water and things like that. And at any point, they become stressed. And stress can be too much water, not enough water, uh, too much wind, too much fertilizer, mm. that kind of thing. Then what happens is the, the plant stops putting all the energy into the fruit and puts more energy into surviving. And because of that, the fruit ends up dry, things like that. So it's critical... Uh, with fruiting plants to keep an eye on them during the, the fruit development stage and not let them get stressed. So keeping an eye on the, the weather, the wind is a big stress mm. factor uh, this time of the year because it's amazing. It can be a 30-degree day, but it can be 30 degrees and very windy and your plants will just go down very quickly. So uh, that's critical. Mm. Uh, did we get through to this one? Uh, the mangoes. Oh, look at that. Uh, drilling through the base of a pot to fit over a fruiting branch. Then you cut open on one side from the hole up to the rim to allow it to open up a bit and you place it over the individual mango so the rats can't eat them. There we go. So you end up with a very ornamental tree as well. Mm. And uh, that's, a, that's a great solution. It'd be a, it'd be a pretty fit rat to be able to get into that pot. 
That's right. And uh, so that's obviously a very uh, serious mango grower that's mm. uh, gone to work on all that. Uh, but uh, I, like the, I like the sleeve idea. And uh, yeah, as long as like, the, the mango tree is within reach or, you know, you know, rats can just jump from mm. one tree to another. Uh, that's very effective. Yeah, and Ben's also texted in to say Sabrina reckons cheap cake mix will knock rats over. Cheap cake mix? Yeah. Oh. I haven't heard that before. No, I haven't either. <laughs> I wonder which one she recommends. So. I wonder. We'll have to talk to her when she gets back in. Right. I think Sabrina's back next week, but we'd love to chat to you next time. She's, uh, you know, gallivanting around the countryside or whatever she's doing. Sure, my pleasure. <laughs> Good on you, Mark. Thanks so much. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.